0: Hello, Monetization Nation. I'm Nathan Gwilym, your host, and welcome back to another episode with Darshan Mehta. He's the author of Getting to AHA. In the last episode, we discussed how to improve our business through customer insights. Today, we're going to look at seven key traits of successful businesses. We're going to cover the following key takeaways. Number one, we should listen to our customers. Number two, we need to make sure we ask our customers the right questions and don't assume anything. Number three, when we find an emotional connection with our customers, our chances of success are enhanced. Number four, we should be authentic and honest. Number five, if we aren't willing to change, we'll likely become obsolete. Number six, there's opportunity in blending two ideas or trends together to create a unique product or service. And number seven, we should treat our work as our legacy. Tell us about the greatest success you've had in your career so far related to aha moments and in, insights and, and these concepts you've been teaching.
1: Well, I'll give you a, a simple example that was really, I think, such a simple thing, but a really game changer for one of my clients. Uh, they're basically a children's retailer, and uh, they were opening their store at 10 o'clock in the morning, but they realized a lot of the shoppers were mothers in the morning that would, uh, if they could come, they would come. But- the mom said, you know, I drop off my kids and I get to the bagel shop near you about quarter to 8.30, quarter to nine. And by the time I'm done, I'm ready to and I'd like to go to your shop, but it doesn't open till 10. So I don't want to wait another 45 minutes to half an hour. But if you could open at 9.30, that'd be great. So, you know, a simple thing, they made that change within a week. They more than paid for all the research and totally changed the trajectory of their sales from that simple little insight. Uh, from talking to their customers,
0: tell us about the biggest failure or mistake that you've seen related to insights and, and aha moments, and and what did you learn from that? Oh,
1: there's so many, and probably one that maybe we can all identify is with with uh, Coke Classic, um, and that is where they did a lot of testing, a lot of uh, uh, money and effort was gone into tasting, blind tasting, uh, different uh, variations of the new formula for Coke against Pepsi and all the drinks, right? And so they they definitely had a winner. I mean, there was no doubt, this one formula tasted the best, everybody loved it, but they forgot to ask one question. That is, how would you react if we took your classic Coke away? (laughs) And, you know, they introduced new Coke and they had this great big launch and everything, but within a short amount of time, they basically had to bring classic Coke back because people had an emotional reaction to say, how can you take away something I grew up with for years You know, away? And so that's the thing. Again, research doesn't have all the answers. It's really about understanding human nature and human emotions. Um, you know, Sure, they might love this uh, product when it's blind taste tested, but when you have an emotional connection with a brand that you've grown up for years, right? They weren't just selling Coke. They were selling memories or selling good times that people had, uh, festivities and stuff where Coke was a part of. And that's, if you take that away, you know, that's gonna cause a different reaction. So, you know, again, research isn't all the answer. You gotta really think about it from many different perspectives, but it's not that complicated either.
0: Okay, what is your best digital monetization secret? Uh,
1: Digital monetization secret. I would say that basically find ways to make it simpler, cheaper or faster and easier and attach an emotion to it. And I think whether it's digital or in the real world, your chances of being successful are greatly enhanced
0: one of the biggest tectonic shifts that's transforming the business landscape today
1: well actually in my book i talk about a couple of different eras one is i think people are buying experiences more than just products and two i think we're also an era of blending in other words we have people that i mean i, I teach and uh, uh, and one of the things i've noticed a lot of my students their parents are from two different countries two different c- cultures and it's happening you know in our society but it's also happening in products i mean It's hard to imagine that it just was not that long ago they combined uh, tacos and Doritos into a taco shell. I mean, you know, but it was a great hit. And I think that's where you might even see some of these innovations where you can see blending of things together because more and more of the world is becoming blended. So I think, you know, you need to think about opportunities like that of blending products or opportunities with maybe someone else to create a, a, a unique partnership.
0: Yeah, I love that concept of a lot of innovation comes in just merging two things together, finding two things that work. I was at a, a conference, the Funnel Hacking Live conference, and I, I heard a presentation and, and her secret, she's been wildly successful in the e-commerce world. And what she does is she finds two trends and she then puts those together and creates a new product, leveraging both of those trends. And uh, I've seen that in my career. You, you take something that's successful, merge it with something else that's successful, put it together. And, and that often is, is a huge recipe for success.
1: And that's what happened. Going back to the, the iPod example, right? The trend was drives are getting smaller and smaller and cheaper, right? So that means we could actually store more on them. But how can we do this so we can actually store music and make the interface so simple and easy that people can just play their uh, uh, library of music and not only
0: that, get even more music uh, and just take it with them? Okay, um, one of the biggest tectonic shifts we talk a lot about on this show is credibility marketing. Ma- having to market, instead of telling the world how awesome we are, uh, using more credible sources to communicate that to our target audience. Uh, can you share with us any examples you've seen in your career of, of credibility marketing being done well? Sure, I
1: think you're seeing it all around you currently now. I think no longer are people, are as, they're not as open to the marketing or selling. Uh, like, don't sell me, help me. Right. Uh, help me do something better. Help me learn. Help me grow. Help me. Uh, so I think a lot of people are looking for brands that are really true and authentic, like even to the point, like if they make a mistake, say, hey, look, I made a mistake, but we'll we'll address it. And that you can even see in the comments of how people respond to even negative comments um, from a restaurant to a retailer or whatever. You know, sure, you're going to have sometimes people that are dissatisfied. But the real thing people look for is how does the brand respond to that dissatisfaction? And that's where you build credibility, right? Is how do you actually, how are you authentic and how do you learn from that? How do you grow from that, um, you know, as a company to help uh, grow with your customers? And so I think you're absolutely correct. I think it's all about being credible, being authentic. And and, and, and part of that is knowing who you are, right, as a brand. And you have to distinguish yourself and decide what is it you're going to be. Are you going to be the best in your state, you know, best in your county, or you want to go for the best in the world? Now, all of them are feasible and all of them are doable, but each of those, you know, uh, uh, trajectories or north star, the decisions to get there are completely different.
0: Okay, can you share with us an example of a company that's done a really good job of humanizing or, or being authentic?
1: Sure, uh, I think Pedigree uh, Dog Food is a great example. Um, They did a lot of research and they really found that basically dogs mean a lot to people. You know, it's it's not just a a friend. I mean, they they actually make our lives better. Uh, And so as a result, they decided to make lives of dogs better. And a big part of their commitment as a company and their resources and money was to actually find loving homes for dogs that are in shelters. And that's a big part of their brand and everything. And and now, you know, not only now people are buying the dog food, but they're actually – Knowing that that is helping, uh, you know, other dogs to find loving homes so that basically, you know, humans and dogs can really help each other uh, enhance their
0: lives. I love that. That's a great example. It's also a great example of passion marketing where they found this passion that their ideal customer has for dogs and they're helping a cause related to the passion of their ideal audience and, and associating the purchase of their product with, with uh, helping that cause their target audience is passionate about. That's a great marketing strategy. Okay, so talk to me about how business philosophies can help us to achieve our goals.
1: Well, I think all these things we're talking about, credibility, authenticity, being closer, I would say one of the things if you could do as a mindset is don't pursue your work as if it's work. Pursue your work as if it's your legacy. You know, it's it's something you're going to leave behind. And when you make that shift, you'll see it can make... A, a, a big uh, shift in the focus and the direction and many decisions you're going to make that I think are going to really drive your brand and even bring you closer to your customer.
0: Why do marketing strategies seem to be constantly changing? Because our world's changing,
1: you know, I mean, the way we communicate changes. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, what, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have set all these digital options and, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to constantly change. And it's kind of an interesting thing because consumers want more choices, but there's a, there's a fine line because if you're them too many choices, it becomes overwhelming too, right? So there's, 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 it's always changing. And, there, and there's so many elements to marketing. It's not just the product. It's also the price, the packaging, you know, the whole experience. There's, there's so many elements to it that getting it all right and combining that, you know, takes some time and effort and really understanding your, your marketplace to make sure you get it right.
0: Yeah and it and I thrive on change. I I love change. I look for change and that's very exciting to me and I, you seem like you're the same way. But but I th- I think you and I are in the minority. We're probably less than 10% of the population and it seems like 90% of the population does not thrive on change. They you know there there's this natural aversion to change and a natural resistance to to change. So so how do we how do we adapt to these constant changes around us? Well, you know, I think
1: uh, there's, there's a famous quote. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, let me say um, if I can find the quote real quick. And that's basically that, you know, if you're not going to innovate, you're going to become stagnant. And you're going to basically become obsolete. And so your best thing to do is basically you should innovate because in that way you're going to control, you know, your ultimate future and your ability to to thrive. And I think this is the difference between surviving versus thriving, right? Um, you know, one can just survive or one can really thrive. And I think to thrive, you really need to constantly be looking, uh, of you know, what are the changes, societal uh, and so on that are gonna really impact uh, what it is you're doing and how it's gonna impact your customers and everything else. I think the difference is between uh, surviving or thriving, right? Uh, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about too, is if, if you're curious, you know, you, you're more likely to be one of those people that's going to be wanting to thrive and, and learn, right? Uh, whereas, the, you know, uh, and I think there's a difference. Some people talk talking about the personal life versus their business life. And as an entrepreneur in a business, you know you're going to have to innovate. Otherwise, you're not going to be around that long. Because even if you're not innovating, everybody around you is innovating. From your competitors to your customers. So, if you truly want to survive in, in the long term, you're going to want to innovate as a business person, even if personally you may not like change. So, you know, there's ways to innovate and still hold on to what you like in your personal life. But uh, I would recommend definitely doing that because that's the difference between uh, surviving versus thriving in your business.
0: Yes. So often we want to hold on tight to the thing that worked for us in the past and keep doing it. And, and unfortunately, that only works for so long. We, we have to innovate. The world is changing. What worked for us in the past worked because it was something new. We tried and tested, and, and we've got to keep doing that same thing going forward. And I think
1: part of that underlying is we, we're afraid to fail, right? We don't want to make the wrong decision. We don't want to fail. And that's where, again, it goes back to you're going to get feedback from your marketplace one way or another, but this is where if you actually do uh, a little bit of research with focus groups and surveys upfront, you're gonna be able to make much more informed decisions versus just stabbing in the dark. And that's ultimately what you're looking for. You're looking for enough intelligence, knowledge and information so that you're making much more intelligent business decisions as opposed to just guessing in the dark.
0: Thank you so much, Darshan, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. To learn more about or connect with Darshan, you can find him on LinkedIn or visit his websites at iResearch.com and ConnectQuick.com. And there's links to each of these sites on the blog post uh, on our site. You can also get a free copy of my Passion Marketing ebook and learn how you can become a top priority of your ideal customers at PassionMarketing.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode, and I wish you success in getting to AHA. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.